Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. On Tuesday evening, it got cold, right? Do y'all remember Tuesday? It was this week. Uh, it got really cold and uh, it was rainy and stuff. And it's just not the weather I want to run in. And anytime you say something like that, it's cold. Somebody will be like, oh, that's not cold. It's cold in Alaska. You know, something like that. I don't, I don't really care. All right. I live in Arkansas. And so if it's colder in Alaska, that's awesome. And um, I don't like to run when it's cold. And especially when it's like kind of rainy. I, I, I hate that. It, it doesn't, it does not feel good to me. Some people, I have a friend who sent me a picture of him running and he had frost on his beard. And so that's your own personal kind of crazy, all right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run inside. And so on Tuesday night, it was on my schedule to run, and I went to the McGee Center. They have an indoor track, and it's free. So I went there, and, and I ran around. According to my watch, I think it's about uh, one-tenth of a mile. Each loop is one-tenth of a mile. So that night, I was supposed to do four miles. Uh, so that's 40 loops on this, uh, this indoor track. And it was okay. There were some other people there, though. And, um, and, and that creates all sorts of, uh, you know, different experiences, like this group of ladies. There was a group of ladies there that apparently didn't realize other people are using the track at all. You know, they, they kind of fanned out across the entire track and just walked and talked and, and stuff like that. And, and I should apologize. Walking would imply more speed than actually what they were doing. Um, so they were kind of meandering would be a better word, you know, just meandering around this track. There was another young man closer to my age, and um, he, was, he was fast. He was sprinting in between text messages. Uh, he would just haul off running and then just stop dead in the middle of the one running lane, pull out his phone, and start text messaging, and then he'd put it in and just haul off sprinting, you know, and so that created some challenges. The one that really made me laugh, actually, I had to stop and start laughing at this one guy. Uh, I'm running around this, the track at this one point, and there's a door right here, and uh, this, this young man, he's a teenager or so, comes hauling out of the door like somebody's chasing him, right? He was even looked behind him like somebody was chasing him, but nobody was chasing him. He lasted like maybe half a lap, all right? Because he put all of his energy into that one little deal there, and then he walked one more time and left. And, and you know, there's a lot of different challenges when you're on a public thing like that, and it's fine to each their own. It's their track too, so they can walk or run or sprint however or text however they want to. That's their track. But do you know what the worst part about it is? You know what the worst part? I know some of you are thinking, yes, you were running. Uh, anybody like that? You're like, I only run if I'm being chased, you know, or late for dinner. Yeah, I like the running part. The worst part is the looping. I cannot stand looping back 40 times, running past the same thing over and over and over again, never coming to any sort of different place, never going anywhere different. When I run outside, I really like to make it to where four or five, whatever the mileage is I'm doing, will end back at my house, right? So I don't loop anything. I hate that repeated sort of situation. And that doesn't only happen when you're working out. It doesn't only happen when you're running. It happens in our lives, right? 
It happens over and over again. You, you go through an experience where you just keep coming back to the same thing over and over and over again. Why do I keep getting angry? Why do I keep going to Taco Bell? It hurts my stomach. Why does my husband keep wearing those shoes? Why are my kids continually fighting the same fight over and over? Why does that one person keep pushing my buttons and I know that they're going to do this? I know they're trying to get on my nerves. Why do I let them keep doing that. Have you ever gotten to a spot where you're like, why do I keep ending up here, right? You get frustrated, you get really upset, a little bit confused, and it really flows into the way that we are. In Colossians chapter 2, in Colossians chapter 2, Paul essentially is asking the same question. Why, why would you go back? Why do you loop? Why do you go back so where you know you don't want to be. That's what Paul is asking in this situation. And he really is forcing us to answer the same question. And it's really specifically about Jesus. Like you have a relationship with Jesus. Why would you act like you don't? You have a walk with Jesus. You find purpose and meaning and community and, and joy and life with Jesus. Why? Why would we go back? And yet over and over, all the time, repeatedly, we go back. And so my hope, really this is my prayer today, that we're going to look at this and we're going to really ask the question. We're going to stop. Like stop the, what do you call that thing? That, the, that um, hamster wheel. Let's stop that. I almost said the wheel that hamsters run on. What do you call that thing? It's, it's a hamster wheel. Uh, let's stop that for a second and then just ask ourselves, why are we doing this? And then my hope is that when we walk away, as we hear Paul's words echo in our mind, that we would not that we would get off of the hamster wheel. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse 16. God, thank you. Thank you for those who have gathered here together that are uh, just a sweet spirit of worship. God, we thank you for the, the families that have dedicated to raising their children in a way that would honor you. God, we pray for strength. We know that this is a broken world that we are attempting to raise children to become Christian adults. And so I just pray for grace for them, strength. I pray that our church would be uh, the extended second family that they need to lean on and lean into, that we would support and encourage them. God, just thank you. We don't say it enough. Just thank you for a church that does have children coming up in it and uh, the blessing of babies and young children and, ch and kids. God, thank you for that. Thank you for a church that is represented by all of the different generations. God, be with us this morning as we, as we study your word. For those of us stuck in this loop, I pray that we would get off of the loop and that we would walk and live with you, having died with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. If you have your Bible, open to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read 16 down to 23. 16 to 23. I'm, I don't have it up here on the screen. We have this little uh, TV thing here. It's pretty cool. It's just a sideways TV. It's nothing special. It's a teaching tool. Instead, I, I want to make sure that you realize that this is not supposed to take the place of the Word of God in your hands, on your screen, or whatever it is, that you would hold on to that. So I don't have it up here this morning. I'm just going to read it to you. You follow along. This is what the Word of God says, Colossians 2, 16. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or in the matter of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. These are shadows. They're shadow of what was to come. The substance is Christ. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices and the worship of angels, claiming access to visionary realms, 
Such people that would condemn you or that would judge you, such people are inflated by empty notions of their unspiritual minds. He, that's the person that has an inflated empty notion, he doesn't hold on to the head from whom the whole body nourished and held together by its ligaments and tendons grows with the growth of God. Verse 20 is our key verse today. So if you're underlining, underline that one. If you died with Christ to the elements of the world, why do you live as if you still belonged to the world? Why do you submit to regulations? Don't handle, don't touch, don't taste. All these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. They are human commands and doctrines as opposed to godly commands or doctrines. Verse 23, although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting a self-made religion, false humility, and a severe treatment of the body, they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgence. Again, our key verse is verse 20. If you died with Christ to the elements of the world, why, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? This is where Paul is going to go with this situation. He's really asking that question, and that's where I want to sit for this morning. Ask ourselves the question, if you died with Christ, then why would you live as if you didn't? If you're living as a Christian, then why would you act like you don't, have the different values or the different system of uh, perspective that the world has? He does this by contrasting a couple of things and then really pushing into it a little further. The first contrast that he makes uh, when talking about Christ is the idea of substance versus shadows. Substance versus shadows. You can see that in verse 17. These are a shadow of what was to come, and the substance is Christ. So he specifically mentions uh, Sabbaths, new moons, uh, these festivals, these sort of things. These were religious expressions to the Jewish people. They were expressing their religious needs or their desire to connect with the divine. That's what was going on there. And, and Paul is pointing out that they are shadows. But what does he mean by the idea of shadows? Well, it's like this. We are wired by God, created by God, to have certain desires within our hearts and, and, and wired in such a way that we would express ourselves in a particular manner. Uh, you, can, you can see this in religion particularly. It's like, uh, like we have a desire to communicate or to be known. We want to express the way that we feel and the way that we are and the way that we think about the world. And so in religion, we do that through prayer. We express because God told us to. God wired us in a way to do that. Uh, animals can't pray, you know, because there's a difference there. We're wired in a way to pray. And that's uh, expressing the need to be known. There's also the need for community. Like to not be alone. And so the Jews, they would have went to synagogue. We go to church. And religiously, we can't stay alone. We'll go, we'll go crazy. So we need other people. And so we express that through uh, religion and express that through church and express that through our walk with God. Also, like one of the ones that you don't often think about when it comes to religion is creativity. God wired you in a way to be creative. Why? Because we are in the image of God who in the beginning created. You know, God creates so we create. And religiously, we do that through the writing and the singing of music. We do that through art. We've done that in the past. When you think about how art was uh, led out by the church with stained glass and sculpture and that sort of stuff, it all, it's, it's just an expression of the way in which we are wired. 
And Paul says, that's what they were doing with those new moons and the Sabbaths and stuff. But we do that also not religiously. We do this all the time. Like you, again, want to communicate who you are. So you write a novel or you record a podcast or you make a social media post. You want to express yourself in some certain way. That's why you'll call up one friend and talk their ear off and then you'll hang up and call up a different friend or your mama or something like that and talk their ear off with the exact same stuff that you just said. It's not that anybody needs to hear all of this. It's just that you need to communicate to express yourself in some sort of way. Community is another big one, right? If you look around in our world, uh, there's all sorts of communities, right? There's this community and that community, and we need to make sure that we are considering this community and not insulting that community and, and, and building this community. Uh, what it's done is every little commonality, if somebody has commonalities, they have become such and such community, but that's not actually the way that community is supposed to be. Community is supposed to be diversity that is united around some sort of mission or greater purpose, but what we've made it is no diversity at all, and so these are completely the same over here, and they're united around their similarity. You know what I mean? And so it's a difference in the way that we would express our community, but we do this. We build community around yoga or fishing or motorcycles or something like that, we're looking to connect with other people because we cannot be alone. Same thing with creativity. You, you do art, you might restore a house, you might renovate a home, uh, you might uh, cut a pattern into a field with a mower, you know, and, and make a really cool pattern because you stand back and go, I am creative, you know, I am like God, you know, that sort of thing. Or, or we modify vehicles and trucks and we put new tires or wheels or a paint job on it. Why? Because we are creative. We are made in the image of God. In other words, we are wired to express this certain way. And Paul says, every sort of expression is a a shadow. It points to something bigger, something greater, something deeper and more substantive. And that something is Jesus. That's why he says, and the substance is Christ. So we are only fully known by Jesus. Jesus who fully knows you and yet then accepts you. Community is the only way that we are truly known and loved and deeply accepted. We are only truly expressive in that we express the glory of God to the world around us. Why? Because we were made to do that. We are the image of God. We all hold the image of God. We are to image God to the world. This is why you were made. And so Paul says, he's really sort of stumped. He's really sort of confused. Why would you go back to the shadows when you now know the substance? Why would you find all of your purpose and your meaning in the way that you express those wirings instead of in Jesus, which was pointing us towards him in the first place? So the first thing is that shadows and substance. The second one is what I'm calling the shallow and the deep. I'll be real honest with you. Maybe I'm not using the right words on this, but I think you'll track with me on what I'm trying to say. Verse 18 and 19, the end of 18. Remember, such people are inflated by empty notions in their unspiritual minds. Paul says, these folks that are not dead in Christ, they have lost their ever-loving minds. Another way that we would say it is that they are airheads. And not in a derogatory way. That's what he says, right? They are inflated by empty notions in their unspiritual minds. They're empty-headed. He, that same person, doesn't hold on to the head, which is Jesus, that deeper meanings, and grows in the growth of God. That's what's saying in verse 19. 
It's not derogatory, and it's not even mean-spirited. It's just saying that going toward the shadows, living a life apart from Christ, is a shallow, a shallow existence. It's not deeper. It doesn't have the full meaning behind it. Jesus is the greater good, the greater thoughts that we think deeply when we think about Jesus and the way that he applies into our lives. And this really pushes at, this truly confronts one of the big problems with most of us and our Christianity. It really gets down to the deeper issues. Because, and hear me on this, a lot of us spend a great deal of our Christianity just trying to adjust actions. We're just trying to change the way that we act. We're just trying to uh, uh, just maybe just like act a little better. So the majority of our Christian efforts is like, I'm going to cuss a little less, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to not punch things when I get angry. I'm not going to lose control of my tongue. I'm not going to be passive aggressive, right? We try to take our actions and adjust them constantly because we're not thinking deeper about them. And we never push harder into, why do I lose control of my tongue? Why is it that I feel violent when I'm angry? Why is it that I feel so insecure? We're never really getting deeper down to the things that are in our minds, the deeper things, the not empty notions of an unspiritual mind. We get down to the pride and envy and insecurity. We really push down into those. And then we experience that our actions change when the deeper is fixed. It's like mowing weeds. When I first got married, I didn't know a whole lot about lawn care. And uh, I, I'd go out and mow my yard there in Texas. And uh, I remember specifically in Euless, Texas, I'd, I'd mow the yard and I'd step back and be like, man, I am really good at this. This really looks great. The, the, it's, a, it's green and it's thick and it's beautiful. And then like one day later, it would look horrible. You know, there's little yellow flowers everywhere and little white, like, like fuzzy flowers everywhere, you know. And, and, and I'm like, why is my yard not look as good as their yard? I had a friend come over and he was in lawn care and he goes, you know, you don't have any grass. This is all weeds. This is 100% weeds. I didn't believe him. There's no way. It looks beautiful. I mow it. It looks beautiful. He sent out a, a, a lawn care company, you know. They sprayed some stuff on the lawn. He said, this doesn't kill grass. My entire lawn died. The entire thing died. You know why? Because none of it was grass. None of it was grass. It was all weeds. And what we end up doing is just mowing the weeds. You just, you learn to not cuss or you cuss less. Or you say things like dag nabbit instead of the one that you did usually say, you know. Uh, you say those kind of things because you're just adjusting the actions. But I'm telling you, it's the exact same thing. If you yell at a person and you use some sort of cursing word, or you yell at a person and you call them a poopy head, it is the exact same deeper rooted issue. We have a heart problem. You're just mowing weeds. And Paul says, why don't you just, why don't we get deeper into this? Stop being all shallow and think Jesus and see what Jesus came to do. Jesus didn't just come to make you all shiny and nice. That's what he called whitewashed tombs. You're like a painted grave. The inside's still dead. So Paul says, why would you ever, why would you ever know Jesus in this way? Substantive, satisfying, pleasure. Why would you know Jesus and then leave the deeper, more satisfying reality of Jesus for the vapid and disappointing things of this world? Why would you leave? But let's pause for just a second for some of you that are sitting in the room, that if you, this isn't a leave Jesus because you never left the earthly things in the first place. You've never accepted Jesus. You might 
Maybe you think you did at some point, you did something like that, but you've never truly trusted in Jesus. You've never really given your life to Jesus. At some point along the line, you innocently, hear me on that, you innocently picked up this idea that the whole concept of, of walking with Jesus is just like kind of making a good friend for the rest of your life. That at some point you invited Jesus into your life, that, that you uh, accepted Jesus, that he's your buddy and he's going to sit there in the, in the passenger seat. And it's pretty cool set up because he's like a superhero and he's got superpowers and, and all this kind of stuff. And no matter how bad you are, then Jesus is still your friend. And so that's awesome. That's like, who wouldn't do that? And that's what you did. You've got like your superhero buddy that's sitting right here and he's your, he's your ride or die, right? But probably not die because he's like Jesus and he's going to give you traveling mercies. And so um, that's going to work out and that's going to be good. But what Paul says here, intentionally Paul says this, is it is a die thing. We think this is not a die thing when you follow Jesus. Paul says it is a die thing. You died with Christ. Meaning that he's not in your passenger seat. He has the steering wheel and the accelerator and the navigation and the radio. Jesus is completely in charge. And yet we want to hold on to all of those things because we got like our buddy sitting next to us. It's okay if I watch this on Netflix, there's a little bit of language, but just close your ears, you know, that kind of thing. Here's the direction I'm going to go. God, I set the GPS. This is the way I'm going to go, God. And I'm going to go as fast as I want to go. You told me to slow down. I'm going faster. I'm going to turn us. I'm going to go this direction. That that's what we think that um, some sort of Christian life is without Jesus. But Paul is pointing it out and he did it on purpose. Since you died with Christ, that you would die with him and that you would give all of that over to Jesus, that he has your goals and your plans and your purpose and what you intake and your friends and all of that sort of stuff. This is his world. And I just submit to him. And in that you find, whew, you find satisfying, deeply substantive reality because this is what I was created to be and to do. And so I don't know if that's appealing to you, but it should be. And if you haven't accepted Christ yet as your Savior, then today's the day that you do that. And so Paul takes that idea and says, if we have died with Christ, why would you go back to the elements of the world? Why would you do that? And then he even, he pushes even harder into it. It's like Paul finds like some wound this morning. Uh, Amos, he, he got a shot yesterday and I walk up to him and I pounded both of his arms and said, which one was it? Was it this one? This one right here, you know? And he's like, yes, yes, it's that one right there. It's like Paul does that. It's like, here's a problem. Let's think harder into where we're like, okay, at this point, Paul, I get it. All right, but why do you? Why do you live as if you still belong to the world? Paul's, Paul's doing a really cool thing here with the died and the live thing. I'll show you that in a minute. But the live thing, he's already explained that, almost illustrated it up in verse 16 and 18. Remember he says, don't let anyone judge you. Hear me on this. You're going to like this next part. This is good stuff. Don't let anybody judge you. Verse 18, don't let anybody condemn you. Don't live that way. Because that's what that life is like. Our world is obsessed with this practice of judging and condemning people, right? Isn't it ruin our day the more times that we are judged and condemned by other people? That somebody's just going to hear something or they're going to see something you did and never talk to you about it, but then they're going to judge you and condemn you based on that. Paul says, don't let other people judge you or condemn you. When you look around at our culture and our world, that's what we do. This is a pastime of judging and condemning other people. This is why gossip is so rampant. People love to gossip. It's not only because they 
prop themselves up as the person who knows everything, but they also love to tell the story in such a way that they judge the other person and condemn them in the eyes of the person that they're talking to, right? Isn't that wicked? Isn't that horrible? It's horrible when it happens to you, right? But yet we do that sometimes. Don't let people judge you and condemn you. The other thing, this is like the cancel culture. Cancel culture, you know, it's everywhere where you hear a 10 second soundbite of somebody or, or, or somebody made a decision or you think somebody said something maybe that they said one time and then all of a sudden their lives, their careers, all the good that they've ever done is worthless. Completely cancel them out. And before some of you get really happy because I'm like talking bad about cancel culture or some of you are really mad because I'm talking bad about cancel culture, let me just tell you this, we all do that. We all do that all the time. Somebody says something, they do something that we don't like, unfriend, mute, block. I'm going to talk to them and I'm not going to let my friends talk to them either. They're canceled. We just canceled that person. That's what they do. And Paul says, don't live under that. Why would you, why would you go back and live under that? Why would you go and live in a world and a a culture that's always judging and condemning you? And I hear you, if, if you're thinking really deeply about this, you might be saying, well, what if, What if somebody did something that's worth judging and condemning? Like, what if I do something that's worth judging? Are they really bad in doing that? Well, here's the deal. Here's what Paul is saying. For the person who is walking with Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no judgment. Let me explain what I'm saying here. John chapter 3, verse 18. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and the only Son of God. Take that one step further, Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What this means is I don't live my life constantly under the judgment and the condemnation of other people because it's not because I haven't done things that are wrong. It's because Jesus already took the penalty for that. I have done things that are wrong. I have done things that should be canceled. I'm there. But yet Jesus took that in himself. And he says, now you are free of all of that. See, the gospel frees us not only from the penalty, like hell, but also the burden of sin. Don't walk around letting people, as long as you are walking in a way that to the best of your knowledge and to the best of your abilities, you are walking in a way that glorifies Jesus, then who cares what they think? what they would judge, what they would condemn. That's really where Paul is pushing into this section. And he goes, then why would you do that? Jesus offers you a pardon. Jesus offers you acceptance and love. And then you leave him to go to a group of people that you can't make happy anyways. You know why you can't make them happy? Because they're just not happy. They're just not happy about anything. So don't live that sort of life. Don't walk in that way. Uh, a few weeks ago when the Braves made the World Series, all of a sudden everybody I knew was a Braves fan. Uh, did that happen to y'all? Like all of a sudden on Twitter, everybody I know sleeps in Braves jammies. And uh, they're like lifelong, diehard Braves fans, which was interesting to me because growing up in southern Mississippi, everybody was a Braves fan. But I haven't heard anything about them in like two decades. I thought they weren't a team anymore. Um, but apparently they are. And they won the World Series, which is awesome. That's great. And I asked some folks, um, I said, so like, you're a Braves fan? Like, I had no idea. I didn't even know you watched baseball, you know? And, and they're like, yeah, uh, well, no, not so much. I just hate the, I hate the Astros. 
I hate them. And, and this happened like two or three times. I would ask people like, so how long you been a Braves fan? And they're like, oh, I could care less about the Braves. I hate the Astros. You know, and which really does my pastoral heart really good that there's this nationwide community built around the, the loathing of a group of men down in a city that you've never been to. You just hate the city, the fan base, and the people. You know, that nothing brings community better than hating on somebody else. But in that broken, real example of humanity, we see the way that we twist our desire for community. We'll build community around anything, even hating other people. Right? There are some groups of friends that if you somehow were able to outlaw the talking negative of things, they would literally have nothing to talk about. That's all they talk about. And listen to me, and I'm telling you this because I love you. If you walk away from a group of friends and all they ever do is trash on other people, they are trashing you behind your back. You need to find a new group of friends. That's just the reality of it. Paul says, don't live under that. Don't live under that judgment and condemnation. You don't have to live under it. Walk with Christ. Don't live in that way. Living in that space, he says, you live as if you are still belonging to them. Like you belong to them like a slave to the world. You are free in Christ and you live as if you are a slave to the world. And what does that belonging look like? He already said it up in verse 16 and 21. In 16 he talks about food and drink. In 21 he talks about handling and touching. And You remember that tasting? In 18 he speaks about delighting. What happens is even for Christians that there are people who would they can't make a decision unless they find out what the rest of the group wants. You ever met that kind of people? There's nothing more pathetic than a person who can't come up with their own desires, what they want. What do you want to do? We're supposed to grow out of that, but do you know what? We never really do. That we are so concerned with what the group thinks. Who cares if everybody makes fun of those shoes? You wear those shoes proudly, you know? Who cares? Um, all these kind of things. It's just, it's crazy to me. People will change the toppings on their pizza because they're afraid somebody's going to judge the way that they eat their pizza. Eat that pizza. You put pineapples and sardines on there if you want to. More for you. All right. But the rest of us are judging you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't live under judgment. Why would you do that? I see this. Um, you want to see a really practical example of this that we probably never really think much of is Netflix. You ever log into Netflix and there's this whole section called trending in the U.S.? You ever see that? The top 10 shows in the United States. The very existence of that thing proves Paul's point. Like, first of all, you could be doing something productive, but you would rather just sign on to your streaming service and then watch something that somebody else told you to watch. It's not even like your favorite show or anything. I can see that. Like, I'm not going to mow the yard because my show is on. Uh, remember back in the day when we had to do stuff like that? But you go in there. No, you don't even care. You just turn it on. And you're like, oh, let's, I guess, I mean, this is the top 10 shows. I got to watch one of these, you know? So there's that. And the second thing is that Netflix knows. Netflix paid money for those shows. And so they got to get some eyeballs on it. And so they just say, let's just tell them the whole U.S. is watching this thing and they'll start watching it, you know? And we do. We watch those things because we are so influenced by other people. And then have you ever started watching one of those shows and you go, who picked this? This is the worst show I've ever seen. This is the college football playoff committee. What is, well, who's picking this? Garbage, you know? We are completely influenced by the group and we prove it. There are features in the applications we use that prove that we submit our actions, what we do and what we desire and what we delight in to the groups of other people, to the whims of other people that you don't even know 
At this point, Paul is really driving home this two-part concept that is so freeing. Christianity is really countercultural in this way. To die with Christ is to actually live. To live the way you were supposed to and to live apart from Christ is actually a slow, painful death. Constantly under the judgment and the condemnation of other people. So, what do we do with this? What do we do as we walk away with this? Well, the first one is stop trying to please people who are not even pleased by God. Stop trying to make other people happy that are not even happy with God. They're going to judge and they're going to condemn no matter what you do. So, I'm not saying, and no one's saying that you should be mean or rude or uh, say like, I don't care what people think. That's not the attitude that we're supposed to adopt. The attitude we're supposed to adopt is, I love people and I only care what Christ thinks about me. I'm only gonna live for his pleasure. And then the second one is to stop trying to be satisfied with shadows and be fully satisfied with Jesus. Hear me on this. Your career is never going to bring you the purpose and the satisfaction that you think it will. No relationship, as great as they are, your own children, your beautiful spouse, they are not going to bring you uh, the sort of uh, pleasure and satisfaction that you are desperately seeking. No achievement is going to bring that to you. No possession is going to bring that to you. They weren't built to do that. They were only built for us to express, to image God to the world in those things. And so as I father or son or, or brother or pastor and whatever it fits to you, that we just image God to the world because that's what we were created to do. So don't be satisfied with the shadow. Be satisfied with the substance. On Halloween evening, this last Saturday, or Sunday rather, um, we were doing the candy points, right? And I was, really, I was really pretty pleased with that. And as you heard earlier, if you're here, if you're visiting because you filled out the online form and then I shot you an email and said, come to church with us, we're glad that you're here. And um, I hope that you'll fill out that card and put candy point on it, like Rebecca said, and we'll give you an additional entry and then we'll choose a winner. So that was fun. And then we handed out hundreds and hundreds of invites to church. There were 46 groups across our county where people were hanging out and just expressing compassion towards other people and just being in the community, for the community. So that's great. I love all of that. It's really exciting. I also just like Halloween. And so on Halloween night, I was uh, sitting out there. Uh, the, the, the kids and everybody, they went off trick-or-treating. So I was kind of by myself there for a minute. I'm sitting in a rocking chair like an old person all the way out to um, the edge of my chair or, or my driveway, right? I'm just sitting there rocking with a big old bowl of candy and the Cowboys game in, in my, my hand right here, just like saying hi to everybody. And I thoroughly love this. All the little costumes and kids. Just, it's one of my favorite things, neighbors. And one time, this little group of, of girls, little, little girls, all looking cute and neat in their little costumes. And some of them were superheroes, police officers, all that kind of stuff. They walked by and, and they're like, happy Halloween, you know, in their little unison sort of way. And I was like, all right, here, get one. And they're like, yeah, one handful, you know, and, and they stuck that in their bag. But what am I going to do? I can't take it back, you know. And so I was like, well, happy Halloween. And then they just kind of like scurried off all laughing and having fun. And just the kind of thing that you just love about Halloween. They were, but I did wonder myself, where are your parents? You know, it's a pretty safe neighborhood, but you have no parents. And they just took off. But you know, one of them was like Wonder Woman, so they'll be safe. So they went off that way. And then a few minutes later, this guy, this man, like my age, walks around the corner. And he's like huffing. And puffing. I was like, hey, happy Halloween. He's like, yeah, 
I was like, how's it going? He goes, trying to get them in bed, but I can't catch them. Just just said it like that. And I was like, yeah, you want candy? Cowboys are up. You know, that kind of thing. And, you know, we just had conversation. And it's funny because we relate to it, right? If you're a parent, you relate to that. You, there's this thing that they need to do, but you don't want to, you don't want to squelch Halloween. They're having fun. We get candy and all that kind of stuff. But, it, you know, it's getting late. That sort of stuff. And they want to do their thing. That's funny. It's all relatable. I get that. But for one second, let's step out of that. I'm not judging him or condemning him because Paul says not to do that. But for a second, think about it. That guy is the dad. He's like 18 times bigger than they are. At some point, he could have said, hey, stop. We're going home. He could have said that, right? Dads do that. Sometimes they do that. Or he could have just went like, (laughs) and then they go home, you know, because they were little. They were little bitty girls, right? He could have done all of that, but he spent the whole evening trying to chase after people who couldn't care less what he says as they demand something from strangers. That's essentially what it is. I hate to like peek behind the curtain, but that's what Halloween is, right? He spent the entire evening submitting, chasing after people who do not care what he thinks, demanding things from other people. And as much as we relate to that, as much as it's cute and funny because it's Halloween, that's exactly how we live our lives. We spend our whole lives chasing after people's affections and allegiances and community, and they couldn't care less about you as they scurry off demanding that other people give them things. Don't live that way. Paul says, why would you ever do that when you have Jesus? Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.